welcome to Backboard Banter on the board with your hosts, Matt Middleton and Kevin Rayner, where the banter's ass for says the Montreal Canadiens against those Toronto Maple Leafs, or really, should I say their goaltending against the Toronto Maple Leafs? What a performance by Jake Allen, my friend. Absolutely. We're always happy for a Montreal victory, but man, is it just a curse to be a goalkeeper? For the Toronto Maple Leafs, like sometimes they take them real high. Most of the time, you're just you're riding low in the dumps. Man, it seems like when they're hot, the media just goes off and calls them one of the best goaltenders in the league. But when they're not, it's trade them, trade them, fire them, get rid of them. It's man, it's it's the curse of the Toronto media. It's why they go these wild swings from good to bad. Ugh, what are you gonna do, man? It's Toronto. It's- it's the struggles of just all that expectation that's put in the head of these players. And, I mean, as we've seen, they just don't have it. They haven't been able to prove it. You know, it sucks for Montreal. It sucks for Maple Leafs fans, but it is what it is. Man, they're petty, too. Like, you see Justin Bieber yesterday at his concert in Montreal asking the Montreal fans about, how about them Leafs? And, oh, how about that Montreal Canadiens playoff spot? Yo, is that the only thing that you can say because they've beaten you two times in a row since Martin Saint-Louis took over? Like, I get it. You know, sour grapes, whatever, my friend. Gotta come up with some excuse, something, but it is what it is at the end of the day. Matt, if we're talking about takes, I have to talk about the fact that I think I may have cursed the T-Wolves. They've lost four of their last five games. I don't know how to feel. Like, I wanted to believe in this team, but at least they didn't get a W against the Raptors. That's what I'm happy about. Dude, and it was looking tight there for a while, but... You may have cursed them, and you know what? At this point, they're not even going to jump Denver. They're going to have to jump Utah. Uh, Denver's been winning, man. They're in that fifth seed. Utah slipped to the sixth, but hey, man, we know we're kind of a curse, so we'll see if Tyreek Hill can pull out the curse from me this season and and get that 1,000-yard receiving season that I don't think that he's going to get. If you want to talk about the NBA, there's a little bit of some rumors going around about Bruce Arians retiring last night. He's moving into a front office position, which – People never thought he would do. They thought that, you know, why would he quit coaching when he was going to coach these horrible quarterbacks? And now Tom Brady's coming back and they have a shot at a championship. Why would he give this team up? Probably because Tom Brady didn't want him there. That's the rumor, at least. It's a really interesting situation, right? The fact that, you know, Tom kind of knew and then maybe came out of retirement because of it. But, I mean, the guy had some really good comments. You know, Bruce Harris is a stand-up guy talking about wanting to you know, let the succession happen already, support the team that's already under him, let them get jobs and all of that. So, you know, stand-up guy, especially since he's, what, almost 70 at this point? Yeah, man. And another thing about Bruce Arians, too, is he'll go down as one of the most diverse staffs as a white head coach in NFL history. He was not afraid to diversify and hire, you know, people of color because you hire the best candidate for the job and that was his philosophy and that's what he got and that's why you know they were able to win that super bowl a couple years ago and that's why he left the team in some really good hands in todd bowles and byron leftwich i think both of those guys are going to do great things with tampa bay i mean that's awesome to hear but and and you're coming about hiring the best people because we watch the best sports with the best players because that's what we want to see don't you think the best people would help support those best players anyways i don't want to get too far into it (laughs) hey man talking about the best Let's talk about Canada going to that World Cup, man. First time since, what, 1986 that we've qualified for a World Cup? Pretty, pretty impressive. The world was a completely different place. Um, I had parents in the ski lodge who were watching the game. 
against Jamaica. So every once in a while, I'm coming on a break and I'm taking my head and I'm like, oh, we got another goal. Pumped for the boys. Glad they secured it on home. You know, sad that we couldn't get, you know, another dub out of some of those other two games to secure pot three. But hey, boys are back in the World Cup. It's going to be exciting. And Alfonso Davies, crying. You know, that man has been Twitch streaming. That man has been so excited to finally get this opportunity. We're looking forward to the World Cup. Come what, November? Man. And not only is that going to cement us on the world stage, we're also going to get to host part of the World Cup in a few years in 2026. Like, and everyone was kind of laughing, you know, Canada's just going to make it because they're the home, they're the host squad. Nah, guys, we've earned it. We were plus 100 at one point in 2021, and now we're 33rd in the world rankings. That is unbelievable. I'm so proud of this team. I'm so proud to be Canadian. And again, I'm going to talk about those Italy fans who have, who are going to be so confused during the World Cup this year, man. They're not going to be able to cheer for Italy. They're going to be like, are we cheering for Canada? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> You know, I kind of love that we're hearing little knockouts here and there, some teams that have always kind of been a part of it falling back because, yeah, there's some of these nations that are showing up, right? And it's such a good renaissance, such a good revival for the youth in Canada to be excited about football, to be excited about soccer because this is such a global sport. It's the biggest sport in the world, hands down, and you want to get to compete on the World Cup stage. Exactly, and that's why Alfonso Davies was crying, man. He's a world-class player, and he's going to get to show up on the world-class stage. So I'm super excited about it. I'm really pumped. Um, I think we're just going to head into basketball, though, man, because there is so much to talk about in the NBA. It's coming down to the wire here. That Eastern Conference is so tight. Um, But you wanted to start with March Madness. I mean, I feel like I got to get it out of the way this week because we've come down to the wire. You know, it's that the tournament that everyone loves to talk about, but... I mean, here we are at the end of it. You know, St. Peter's run finally ends. We got to watch these guys make history getting past Purdue. I mean, I still can't believe that it happened. Stifling defense, Matt, right? But at the end of the day, we've come to our Final Four. Very expected, not expected. I mean, I had Kansas and Villanova on this side in my bracket, so I'm pretty happy over here. But Duke-UNC, Matt... What a matchup coming ahead for college basketball. Absolutely. And for Coach K to be able to maybe get some revenge on UNC on his final tour in the NCAA tournament to get to the final, um, I'm kind of thinking that, you know, Duke's on this magical run. Uh, They weren't supposed to beat Michigan State. That was a huge victory for them when they came back. Um, They might have a good chance, but again, UNC, Duke, Kansas, Villanova, we've got like some of the best of the best teams right now. The real like three true blue buds and Villanova who's who's been a powerhouse for the past like decade at least. It's going to be exciting to have these games come down to the wire. You know, you say that about Duke and it's really interesting because you know, UNC, they did shut them down. I still can't believe that Coach K had to go out and apologize to the Duke fan base that that wasn't what they wanted. So this will be a really good redemption chance, but UNC's proven it and at the end of the day for me I think whoever comes out of that UNC Duke matchup is gonna take it but it's March Madness right anything can happen absolutely anything can happen do you want to kind of talk about March Madness some more are you good to talk about this playoff race that's happening in the NBA man um I kind of want to talk about the play in a little bit um just before we really get into the race because I think that we're seeing the two sides of the coin here this year where why you need the play-in and why the play-in is a little bit ridiculous 
it's been a wild season. It's been a weird season, and I was always big on the play-in because I enjoy games mattering, right? Like, we always get to that point 40 games in where you're like, cool, can we get to 60 games? Can we get to 80 games? Can we get to the playoffs? But these last 15 or so games to this season have really come down to it. I mean, just last night, right, there were five games that actually had implications for teams in the play-in, for teams hunting to get a you know first round bye to get to play at home as a top four seed right so it's been really exciting to see but the play in itself the fact that on one side we've got four teams that are all six seven eight games away from first place in the east and on the other side you have the lakers who are 30 games back from phoenix and then might maybe have a chance 20 games back from even memphis for second place man I mean, they're 31 and 44, so they can't end up with a winning record. Minnesota is 43 and 34, so they can't end up with a losing record. And potentially the Lakers could get a chance to knock them out of the playoffs is just kind of a wild situation for me. It's it's why people are upset about the play-in. It's why people want it gone. But then again, you look at the other side of the coin in the East. The Atlanta Hawks are nine and a half games back of first place. They're you know, right there with Charlotte and, and Brooklyn and Cleveland, even us, man. Um, what are they, 39 and 37, and we're 44 and 32? Like, they're not too far off of us. It's, it's a so tale tight. of two conferences. It's a tale of two conferences at this point, right? Like, you think about Brooklyn, you think about the Lakers, you think about these two teams that are supposed to be powerhouses, dynasties types of teams with, like, these massive stars. And on one hand, you've got this faltering team that might make their way into the playoff but has no expectations. And on the other side, you have a team that is definitely in the play-in, definitely going to make some noise, and has fantastic odds for going all the way. Like, it is such a wild... Like, there's there's two sides to everything at the end of the day. I'm just glad we're over here in the Eastern Conference where things are exciting and we're, we're, we're pumped for the play-in because hopefully we're not even going to be in it. Dude, I mean, that's the other thing, right? With 20 games left... Um, I think we were like eighth and we were holding on to that and we're thinking like, are we going to drop into the 9-10 seed? We had that kind of bad week and then we've really turned it on as of late, man. Eight and two in our last 10 games, pulling us out of the play-in spot, tied with Chicago for the fifth best record in that Eastern Conference. Uh, And I feel bad for Cleveland, man. Losing Evan Mobley at this time of the season and at some of the most important games of their season, trying to keep you know Brooklyn behind them trying to make sure that they can you know secure that seven seed it's difficult man so they can have that home play and matchup at least it's crazy to think that there's only two weeks left it's crazy to think that I mean the Raptors have six more games there's teams with seven there's teams with five like we're not quite cemented in our standings especially with the east how close everything is I mean the Bulls were the top of the conference only two weeks ago right so Anything can happen. Giannis seems to be working his way. Boston, now, Boston's an interesting conversation because they just lost Williams to that meniscus tear. He's going to be out at least four to six weeks, but people are expecting it to be a little bit more of that. So Boston's crazy playoff run that people were thinking they could go on might be limited now. So that's why the, the expectation in the East is that anyone can go in. That's why people are thinking that the Brooklyn Nets might make it out all the way from the seventh seed. Like, it is a crazy time in the East, Matt, but I don't even know where to go about the East. Dude, okay, if we're going to talk about it, let's start at the top. Because you got Miami, who's kind of, you know, 
fighting internally, but still, you know, chugging along as one of the top seeds in the in the Eastern Conference. I think they're going to fall out of that number one spot. They're probably going to end up in the second seed. And if they end up in the second seed and have to play Brooklyn in the first round, I think Brooklyn could eliminate them. I mean, they've got a better defense and, you know, Brooklyn's Swiss cheese on defense. But Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are two of the best closers in the entire world. They're two of the best players and scorers in the entire world. They can get to 140 points, man, on any given team. So it's going to be a tight race for that number one seed because, again, if I'm if I'm Milwaukee, even if I'm the 76ers who still have a shot at it in Miami, like I want to avoid Brooklyn at all costs. Absolutely. And, and Miami's kind of the team that we we don't have a lot of understanding or expectations of what they'll do, right? The Bucks, we've seen what they did last year. Philly, we kind of know what we're going to see out of them with what we've seen from Harden, what we've seen from Embiid. And you look at the Celtics and, like, they're also kind of an anomaly, but I feel like we know what is going to start. I mean, we as Raptors fans definitely know what we're going to expect out of this team. But Miami's a toss-up, you know. Kyle Lowry joining them could be the answer they've looked for. We don't know how their rotations are going to come together. Bam has not had a great playoff caliber, you know, career at this point in time. And Jimmy is getting older and, and, you know, the fights that they've been having. So Miami is in this really interesting weird place so when you're a team that isn't going to have home court in the first round you're looking at Miami and you're like you know maybe they are the best chance to pick apart which is kind of insane considering that they are the top right now and they have been there all year dude they don't scare me at all I've been saying this for weeks now the the two teams that are above us that scare me if we were to get matched up with them in the playoffs are Boston and Milwaukee I think the Bucks. They've been middling all season. I mean, it, they're six and seven without Giannis, and they're what I think forty-one and twenty-one with him. And he's proving that he's an MVP candidate. He should be every year. I think he's probably the best player in the NBA at the moment. Those blocks on Embiid at, in the Philadelphia game just kind of prove what he is defensively. The forty-point monstrous performance on the offensive end. I don't think there's a better player than him in the NBA, and that's why I've never been worried about them. We've talked about it all season. You know, they're just kind of getting through the regular season, waiting for the playoffs, and once the playoffs starts, they've been ramping it up the last few weeks. They might steal that one seed and, and absolutely dominate their way through the playoffs. And I can only add to that for Matt, because I've become even more of a Drew Holiday fan over his time with the Bucks because getting that championship, being on this team with Giannis, with Chris... The confidence of these boys is through the roof. They made some great additions to their team. They're ready. And also, Matt, I don't even think I've said his name in a positive light this season. I have to give credit to Mike Budenholzer. I don't love him as a coach. Matt, Matt, anyone who listens to this podcast can be a testament to that. But he's doing his job. He's, he's being a good coach. He's getting better with his rotations. He's learning to accept that, yes, I can sit Giannis here to play him here to work on things. So as much as I hate to say it, like I gotta give credit to this man because he's doing a good job as the head coach of that team. He is doing a good job, and like my papa would say, you know, a coach can only coach the players in front of him. Um, so a lot of the success and failures have to do with the players, and he has a fantastic roster. 
he I don't know if he maximizes the talents out there, but he does put them in positions to win. He isn't, you know, doing anything detrimental to them. But if you want to talk about a really good coach, man, we got to look at Boston because what they've done in the second half of the season has been unbelievable. I think you were saying they're like what twenty four and four since January. Like that's just wild. It's a ridiculous record. Ime Odoku has brought these boys together. We talked about it last week, but we're going to talk about it again because, you know, this injury, it might limit them. But we face, the Raptors faced them just the other night, and they're the number one defense for a reason. It doesn't matter if all their stars are there. Their team has bought in. They know their system, and Ime Odoku will get them rolling. So Boston, man, watch out. Boston is probably the scariest team in the East right now. And, you know, coaches have a huge impact on that, right? Like, that's why we love Nick Nurse. That's why we're not a huge fan of, of Mike Budenholzer. But a, a guy that, you know, has a reputation as probably a Hall of Fame coach, as a, as a great, great coach, he's showing some blemishes in his armor. And I'm talking about Doc Rivers out in Philadelphia, man. That game exposed him. When your best player, when an MVP candidate, a top three player in the league this year comes out and is like just match the minutes Giannis went off in the nine minutes that he didn't have to play against Embiid and that's the difference in the game they only won by two it was really close yes Giannis has those blocks on Embiid which you know do tilt the game as well but Doc what are you doing man no wonder you blow so many 3-1 series leads I'm really hoping that my joke that I made like a year ago or two years ago when Joe Biden got inaugurated, that Doc could be the first coach to blow a 3-1 lead in every single different president's reign in America. I hope it comes true because it needs to be shown because it's scary for Philadelphia what they're seeing. You know, Kevin, I would like that, but if they end up playing the Raptors in the first round like they do now, I would really like it if we got up to that 3-1 series lead and just kind of closed them out in, in five. Because honestly, I do not fear them. I mean, there's no reason to. James Harden has been a choke artist. Now, new world, new life, maybe it'll work out. Embiid is scary. Embiid has, you know, we've seen Embiid on the other side of that coin when we hit that shot. So, you know, there's there's an anger in Philadelphia towards the Raptors that I don't know if I really want to face. But again, it's not as scary as Boston. You know, I don't, I, I wouldn't love to face Kyle in the first round because it would hurt me to take him out of the playoffs but also it would be really really good feeling and ironic inside but yeah man the east is such a weird place do you want to talk about the bulls do you want to talk about how they faltered because you know we've mentioned all these great coaches holding teams up but billy donovan has not been able to get these boys rolling with all the injuries that they've had in the past few months honestly man they had such a great start to the season uh, the injuries have really kind of hit them hard. They've lost some key players throughout the year. Lonzo Ball, Levine. Um, who else has been hurt for that team? Caruso was on for Car a while. Oh, yeah. He's a major role. Pat Williams piece. has played four games for them. Exactly. And so I think that they've got great depth, and I think that they're definitely one of the better regular season teams in the NBA when it's all said and done. And you were super high on them to start the season, and, and even before the season, and they are proving you right, but... It's kind of brought them back down to earth when they don't have all the players, when Debo can't play at that MVP level and sustain it over a, a 40 game or a, an 82 game schedule. I mean, we've seen him before as Raptors fans, and I love Debo. I think he has definitely been a top 15, 20 player, like for the majority of his career, and he gets kind of, you know, 
talked about in a negative light because he's not a playoff finisher. Yeah. And that that's why people didn't like the contract. Um, he was proving them wrong in the middle of the season, but those people were kind of getting right now. It just makes me sad, just sad in general, because this team came out, they created a system, they were playing winning basketball as a team, right? And DeMar was fitting into that system, playing the way that he could. Caruso and Lonzo, the way they could move the ball was great. And then the injuries they sustained, I think, really hindered them and forced a different play style out of the Bulls. Like, DeMar was doing what he was doing because the Bulls were changing the way that they were trying to play the game to allow DeMar to succeed the most they can. And I think the issue right now is that though the players have started coming back, their identity that they had at the beginning of the year, isn't it isn't there anymore. And they, they haven't brought themselves to bring back that type of ball. And we're too close to the playoff for, I think, that to come back. And that is the shame. The shame is that they're going to go into the playoffs and their best way of winning games and playing is DeMar Isoball. And us as Raptors fans know that that doesn't work. So it hurts me inside because I feel like this is a season that Bulls fans are going to are going to wish could come back to them because there was a point where honestly without some of these major injuries I think that the Bulls maybe are not going to win a championship but they could get to the Eastern Conference with the way that we've seen the East be this year so that's why I'm sad as a pseudo Bulls fan this year as a DeMar fan absolutely man I think it's it's a season that got away from them and it's going to be a tough one because I think this was probably their best chance to put it all together um, with how tight the Eastern Conference is with the injuries to Brooklyn um, and the trading and, and the Simmons drama in Philadelphia and, and Brooklyn or Boston kind of trying to figure it out under their new coach. This was kind of the time, but I mean, you're really starting to see the, the, the teams at the end here shine through. And I think they're the better teams in the M- NBA right now. And especially in the Eastern Conference, I do kind of want to touch on the West uh, Golden State's, you know, falling out of that top three seeding in the West. My boy Luka Doncic has got his guys on an absolute roll right now. Um, is he going to be an MVP candidate for you? I mean, he was in our conversation as one of the guys that was knocking on the door. He definitely deserves some votes. Now, can he compete with Giannis and Jokic? Because those are my two right now at the top. I, I, I just don't see it, unfortunately for him. Now, the West is a different beast at the end of the day, and to compare him and Jokic where their teams are is another story, but you also have to factor in Spencer Dinwiddie, right? Like, finally getting Luka a star has enabled the team to get more wins, and that's not a knock, right? That's a that's a positivity for the squad. That's what the Mavericks needed to do because you can't waste Luka at the end of the day. You know, I think it's so funny that you just called Spencer Dinwiddie a star because, um, honestly, I would say he's an all-star caliber player. But with Luca right now, he's looking like a star. He's hitting clutch shots. Um, he's that you know other ball handler, that off guard ball that can play with Luca now, and they can create so much together that the rest of the team falls in line. They've got some really great defenders, some really great three point shooters. Um, I was watching their game the other night, one on Saturday. I forget who they were playing, but man, they were just down and all of a sudden just started ripping off some threes. It was unbelievable to watch. Yeah, they were playing... Oh, shoot. It was Sunday, I guess. <laughs> they were playing Utah. They were playing Utah, hey, and Utah right. came out swinging. And Utah. Donovan Mitchell was playing well. They didn't have Rudy Gobert, but they were down for most of the first half, most of the first half, and then the boys just start hitting threes 
Finney Smith, you know, all Lucas, Dinwiddie, and it just started rolling for them. So at the end of the day, I think Lucas should be in the MVP conversation. I don't think he's going to get it. I know you got Jokic as, as probably your guy, but I think I got to give it to Giannis, man. He is the best player in the NBA, and I don't think it's close on both ends of the floor. You know, it's such a pull back and forth, right? Like, me, me and I were discussing this, you know, before recording today, and when you think about the three-headed monster of the MVP race that we that has dominated the media conversation the past few weeks, we discussed a couple of weeks ago on this pod that what it was going to take for each of those players to come out and, and really take claim on the race. Jokic just has to keep doing what he's doing because his numbers are ridiculous, his purr is ridiculous, and he's doing it on a team with probably the worst of the best teammates of the th- of the three players that we're talking about. Absolutely. We talked about what Embiid had to do, and sorry, Embiid, with losing to Giannis the way that you have, I, I just don't see it. And-, and Giannis, if he could just keep winning games, he's going to do it. So it's really tough, man. I'm-, I'm still torn, and that's why I'm glad that there's still two weeks left so I can decide between Jokic and Giannis where it's going to fall. Well, I think a lot of people have Embiid as a top MVP candidate, maybe over Giannis because of what he's had to deal with you know he lost ben simmons who's the second best player on his team and you know all the drama that surrounded off the court and all of this and he kept them afloat through all that time but i think when you talk about like you mentioned the worst teammates that you have to play with tyrese Maxey broke out you know tobias harris is still there they've gotten james harden now for the past 16 games or whatever and then you look at Jokic, and Jokic is no jamal murray no Michael Porter Jr. Aaron Gordon is the one who's kind of like stepped out into that second star role. And he has been playing great, to point that out. But again, we talked about this before. Jokic is the one who elevates him into that kind of category. Jokic is the one who's enabling it on offense and on defense. The one thing that I would say about Jokic is his defensive impact isn't as great as a guy like Embiid or like Giannis. And then, so if you're going to say that, and for me, it comes down to Embiid and Giannis, Giannis proved it this week, man. You can't give the MVP to a guy that got kind of dominated by the best player in the league. And you can't say, well, oh, we we didn't give it to LeBron James and Michael Jordan all those times. Giannis didn't win last year. Giannis won finals MVP and the NBA championship. I think he deserves to win three out of four and be in that conversation as a top 15, 10 player of all time. Because that's what he is, man. It's it's races like this that make me want to go back and look at some of the controversial MVPs of the past and look at what the last month of the season happened, right? Because at the end of the day, we're seeing this race be so close and it can come down to... Giannis and the Bucks securing the first seed. If Jokic falls into the play-in tournament, that's not going to look great on his record. If Embiid can somehow drag his team to the number one seed in the East, right? Like, there's this really interesting conversation going on of what can you do for me right now to put your final stamp on that MVP. So it makes me think about the past of of times when certain you know guys may have lost their MVP race. Maybe it was because they were this one seed lower or because this other player did this one epic game, right? Like, that's kind of the beauty of the end of the season right now and when you get to have these races, when we have this talent. Because, Matt, the one thing that we keep mentioning week by week is how good 
the league is right now, how in, how great the young talent is, right? The fact that Jokic, Giannis, and Embiid, all players who are under 27, 28? 28, yeah. Right? Like, are all currently fighting to be the best player of the season because, you know, your comment about Giannis being the best player in the league I think is very telling because I wouldn't put Embiid as the best player in the league. He doesn't play enough games. Jokic is the best passer in the league, but in terms of his defense, it's not the same. Giannis is that number one, you could definitively say he's the best player in the league on one of the best teams that could compete for a championship. Night and that's in, why, night out. That's why you look at him as potentially another MVP win coming up. Yeah, man. And another, to kind of go back to your comment about the Denver Nuggets potentially falling into the play-in, they could also jump Golden State and Dallas for that number three seed. I mean, they're only two games back of those guys. Right. So if he does end up in that three seed with whatever he's had to deal with in the Western Conference where, again, yes, it's tougher at the top with, with you know, the Suns and Memphis, but again, the bottom of the conference is just garbage. Um, from, you know, 9 to 15, we don't even have to talk about them. They're so bad. Um, I think it's I think it's going to be impressive if he has the third best record in the NBA, if, or if they're tied with Milwaukee for like the best record and the third best record. And Milwaukee had to do it in the Eastern Conference, which I think is tougher. And that's why if they get that number one seed away from Miami, and Yanni is doing what he's doing, I don't I don't see how you could not give it to the man. I mean. You know, it's that it's that historical precedence of those guys not wanting to give championships to the best player in the league over and over and over again. Um, that's just the really annoying thing for me. But at the end of the day, like you got to give it to these guys, and, and that's why it is such a fun conversation. Because at the end of the day, we have reasons why we would want this player or that player. But it really is going to come down in these final two weeks. It's going to be exciting to see what could happen. Matt, do you want to talk more MVP? Do you want to talk more table? Or do you want to talk about Rookie of the Year? Because I think that's the really spicy race at the end of the day. Dude, I mean, they're all really spicy at this point. But that Mobley injury has really kind of opened the door for Cade Cunningham and our boy Scotty. And Cade having that game against Brooklyn this week where he dropped 34 points. I mean, sheesh, man. This guy's good. I mean, we knew it. It's why it was fade for Cade all last season. But... It really is kind of crazy that this Mobley injury might be a determining factor, right? And what frustrates me as a Scotty fan is that Scotty Roy, because, you know, I'm calling him Scotty Roy now because that's Everyone his name. Is. But exa exactly, Raptors fan, Raptors Nation, let's go. But Scotty Roy has done so much. He's been so consistent. He's been there. But Kate is doing this thing where he's playing incredibly well right now and he's showing up on radars and everyone's thinking about it. And again, we're the Toronto Raptors. So... It would frustrate me immensely if they decide, you know what, Mobley's injured, we're not going to give it to him. Man, Kate is a fireball right now for the Pistons. Let's throw it at him. And then Scotty just kind of gets forgotten about? That would irk me, Matt. That would irk me big time. It would irk me big time, too. Um, I agree with you. You know, Kate's coming out on fire right now, and he's putting up these monstrous games. But he hasn't been doing it all season, and he's doing it for a losing squad, a team that, you know, doesn't really have anything to play for they're running plays for him they're drawing up the offense through him scotty is like we've talked about just picking his spots i mean even last night with the 17 points on seven of nine shooting he had a bunch of offensive rebounds that he just you know put back for for points like i think what he have in that game 
he had two offensive rebounds that were huge putback points. He finds his spots. You know, he's he's doing things that we need, and we don't have to run plays for him, which I think is way more valuable as a rookie to learn this role, to le- understand it, because when he becomes the star, when he becomes the focal point of our offense, he's going to be able to help elevate everybody because he's going to know their situation. He's going to be able to, you know, help them find out where they can pick their spots. And to me, I mean, if Evan Mobley doesn't get it because of this injury, it's got to go to Scotty. Uh, absolutely. Your comments make me think about Jonathan Kaminga, right? Make me think about another player who has shown crazy moments, and it all depends on the squad, right? Sadiq Bay dropped 50 points the other week. I'll still just keep saying this, right? At the end of the day, winning basketball is what matters. And Scotty has proven at 15 points a game, might I add, that he is going to help the team win basketball games no matter what. Like, he's a top 10 player in minutes played, Matt. Did you know that? Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, you're asking a rookie to come in and play 35, 36 minutes a night, and he's doing 50% from the field, 30% from three, 73% from the line. Like, he has had so many different ways to impact the game. A steal a night, almost a block a night. What more can I say about Scotty Roy? The kid is 20 years old. Just give it to him. And his usage rate, man, comparatively to a guy like Cade Cunningham. I mean, we use him at like 19% of the offensive possessions or whatever, whereas Cade is almost running at 28%. Even Evan Mobley out here has a 20 percent usage rate so he's getting used a little bit more and scotty's got you know better points per game than mobley and better assist rate than mobley so yes i mean the defense and maybe rebounding goes to mobley but scotty's overall game has just been here all year he's he's been one of the reasons why we've kept afloat for the season when we had siakam injured at the start of the season when fred van vliet's missed games when og Anobi's missed games you know, Scotty's been that glue guy for us. I think he's missed like what four games a season, five games a season, and he's oh, yeah. been our rock man. He's been everything that we could have ever wanted out of a rookie, and then some. You know, I I see the parallels in the MVP race and the rookie of the year race. You know, Scotty is the Giannis for us, right? The guy who's just been there, who's been consistent, who's shown himself. And also, like, let's be honest, man. Every once in a while, when he runs down the court, he looks like Giannis, and it makes me very, very happy. Last night, he had a play where he got a steal, took a step or two, was over the half point, and then took three steps and dunks it. And I'm like, oh, baby, there's the future. But when you think about, you know, Evan compared to Jokic, kind of just been there all year. When you think about Cade and Embiid, keeping them alive, doing their things, it's it's not quite the same parallels, but it's the same idea of we think we know who should win it, but it's still going to come down to one or two more factors in the last two weeks to confirm it, to get everybody else to believe it. And something else about Scotty that just absolutely floors me is that he can raise his game in the second half. I think all season he's kind of been a slow starter like we don't really see a ton of scotty in the first and second quarters and then all of a sudden he really blows it up in the second half which i think is so valuable to our roster not only that but he can play all five positions we've seen him at point guard we've seen him at shooting guard at center at small forward at power forward even at center 
he does yep. everything on the court and i think that versatility needs to kind of give him that leg up in the conversation Evan Mobley, yes, has been the center and a power forward, but he's also had Jared Allen to play with. He's also had Darius Garland to play with. And those guys have been monsters this year. Cade Cunningham is the offense for Detroit, and they're running everything through him. So, of course, he's going to have monstrous games. He is an efficient scorer. He is a, an amazing talent. And, you know, in 10 years, we could be talking about him as the best player from this draft. But in one year, in their rookie year, I think Scotty should take it because of the consistency that he's had all season and the way that he can just turn it on. I mean, I love the kid. He, everything I could have wanted from this kid and more. When you told me to look at him before the season, before the draft over Jalen Suggs and you were telling me, I kind of want Scotty Barnes. And I was calling you crazy because I hadn't watched that many clips and I was just looking at stats. I am so glad the Raptors aren't me and they took... <laughs> Scotty, because he, you know, Jalen Suggs could still be a really elite player in this league, but Scotty's proven why we took him at four. He's got the personality. He's got the mindset. You talk about him coming out in the second half. Honestly, Scotty's a rookie that like knows he can get his own, but also is very much a team guy. Like the amount of times we've seen him make the right basketball play, be set up to make a no look pass, like. I'm not surprised if he's coming out in the game and being like, yeah, let's get you going, Gary. Oh, gee, yeah, let's knock you down some shots. Like, he is the perfect guy to want in the locker room, to be that young energy to keep him going. It's absolutely beautiful. It's, and I think it's infectious, man. I think we're just going to roll into Raptors chat here because we're loving Scotty. I think it's also helped Siakam become that team guy. We've talked about it so much that the evolution of Siakam right now is that he instead of forcing it he is doing the right basketball play last night his shot was not falling and he had 40 points against boston on monday night you know it's it's easy for him to think to himself i'm the scorer i'm the guy and just shoot 30 shots and maybe score 12 buckets but instead he took a back seat he saw you know og was hitting his shots he saw gary trent was hitting his shots he saw that achua was hitting his shots and he just was like, yo, let me facilitate. His second triple-double of his career, man, and it was it was a thing of beauty because he started that game off rough. I think he was 1-7 of seven yeah. to start the game, and then he just realized, okay, I'm going to take a back seat on the, on the offense, and I'm going to do everything else. And he was getting the hockey assists. He was getting the beautiful driving kicks. Like, oh, my God, it was, it was a thing of beauty, man. It's why he's probably our all-NBA player. Absolutely, but Matt, my favorite part about that game last night, we made 18 three-pointers. Did you know that we assisted on every single one of them? Like, yeah, the man. Raptors all season have been in the dumpster, you know, 27, 28 when it comes to assists in the league. It's just a fact, you know? There's been a lot of we make it happen, Fred iso ball, Siakam iso ball, Scotty Barnes iso ball making his own play. Like, there's been moments, but to see our team come together have that energy have that fire like gary casually 29 points on 9 of 13 shooting going six for eight you know og 22 oh, points four for four from three on oh yes also nine of 13 from shooting like the teal's game was a master class of the boys coming together and playing the game and the style that we want to play let alone the fact that it's off of right after the celtics game where pascal put up 40 points fouls himself out like 
it's beautiful basketball that we get to see, Matt, and that's and, why I'm a happy fan. And not only are we showing what we're made of um, in these games throughout the entire games, but we're showing that we're not afraid to come back when we're down big. I mean, like even that Philadelphia game a couple weeks ago, last night we were down 17 at one point and we couldn't hit a shot. The broadcasters were talking about how Minnesota looks like the healthier team, the fresher team they hadn't played since Sunday, you know, and they, they just got more juice in their legs. And then all of a sudden, here come the Raptors, man. They are just no quit, no no willingness to give up, and it's just beautiful to me. It was just unbelievable. I mean, we knew we were going to get that Indiana Pacers win, and to blow them out like we did, man, it, the game was over after the first quarter. It was dominant. Man, I, I was kind of hoping they would just call the game when that speaker got set on fire because we were up by, like, 25 at that point. They had to evacuate the arena kind of crazy. I was watching the game, and I had to go call my mom to chat with her about flights so I can go see this kid at his wedding. Uh, and I and I'm looking at my phone and I'm like, wait a second, there's a speaker. They've evacuated the arena. Games on pause. Like, you think that's going to be the craziest part of this re- week, right? Like, but no, we had some amazing games. The Celtics game was a playoff atmosphere style of game. Now, obviously, they were missing stars. And the T Wolves win, man. The icing on the cake for the week for Van Vliet to have five steals in that game. Like, there's so many different ways to look at it. But Matt, it's that energy from a couple years ago, right? Do you remember? Do you remember, you know, the post-Kawhi run when we'd watch games and the Raps wouldn't be doing great in the first and we'd just be like, talk to us in the fourth quarter. Because we yeah. knew that the boys had that fire, that energy, that ability to get themselves back to be competitive by the time the last five minutes of the game came around. And that's still kind of showing up these days. Dude, they had 20 points after the first quarter last night and finished the, the half at 62. They dropped 40 points in a quarter twice this week in the last three games. Um, yeah. to start against the Indiana Pacers in, the, in, in quarter one and quarter two against Minnesota. Um, and then we don't even have to have those kinds of performances against a team like Boston, who's defensively sound, man. We dropped 30 points consistently and held them to 20 points in the second quarter. We can do it with our defense. We can do it with our offense. And I think that's what makes us so scary come playoff time because we don't have to rely on one guy who's just crushing it. We don't have that one guy like a Kevin Durant or a Yanni or a LeBron James or whatever you want to call it. But we have, I think, one through five, you can match us up with any team in the league, and we probably have at least three of the top five players matched up against each other. Absolutely. And when you think about the, you know, the emergence and resurgence of Chris Boucher, when you think about how Precious has figured his role, when you think about how Thad Young has showed up, these three dudes who maybe are not always starting in, in, our, in our initial rotation, three tall guys who can play defense and can knock down the three. Matt, all of a sudden, our bench is here, our depth is showing up, the Raptors are coming online weeks into leading to the playoffs i am so pumped with what i'm seeing it's unbelievable man like you mentioned it boucher's hitting threes precious is hitting threes thaddeus young in the corner is almost just money at this point Money. precious man has impressed me so much with his three-point shooting at the beginning of the season when he was taking them a lot i was like oh man that's not that's not what you want to see but i mean i think it's like what 
I think he's gone one, two, three, four, five games at shooting fifty percent or better in the last eight from three. He's been he's been great, man. You know the, those two guys, Chris and and um, and even Thad, you could add into this, right? But Chris and Precious, you know, Precious had a huge turnaround from the All Star weekend, like really realized what he could do to be relevant, what matters. But Chris this season, you know, really figured out how to be a role player for this team, you know? I think Chris for years was always thinking that he could be more and do more, which, you know, you throw him on the Pistons, he definitely can. He has that gusto, right? You know, we talked last week about the difference between shooting Jeremiah 20 Grant. shots and 40 shots, right? You know, the Jerry Grant, exactly, right? But these guys have really figured out their role to be in the right position to do what matters, and that is where winning basketball Thrives, and at the end of the day, the Raptors are ready, man. They're gonna, they're gonna compete. It's an exciting time. We are the best young team in the NBA with one of the brightest futures going ahead of us. Yes, I mean us. The Grizzlies are great too, man. I mean, we always talk about the Grizzlies on this podcast, but the fact that they're eighteen and two without John Morant, and their offense gets more efficient without him, that's why he's not going to be in the MVP conversation this year, even though the fantastic season that he had. Um, and again, I'm going to tie it off with Nick Nurse here, man. Nick Nurse puts our guys in a position to win. And he Absolutely. he plays for a meritocracy. And he plays for, you know, every guy getting to where they need. Last night, they didn't start Scotty in the second half. They started Precious because Precious was the one in the first half who was knocking down the shots. Then Scotty comes in the game and he's like, oh, you're not going to start me in the second half? I'm going to show you why you should always start me. And he took his game up a notch. Nick is just pushing the right buttons. He's getting our team to compete. And again, in a seven-game series against anybody, I think we've got a chance because we've got Nick, we've got Siakam, Fred, OG, Pascal, or um, Scotty, and now Precious. It's just wild, man. Gary Trent, I didn't even mention. Dude, we're too deep. We're too deep. Gary, one of the best, one of the best steals of a trade I think we've ever made. Man, basket, this man. this off season, dude, I feel like we're just gonna have to break down the amazingness that is the Raptors front office and what they've done. But the grievous basket, we have, trade. we gotta go into depth <laughs> in that. Bro, I'm making a trade tree one of these days. But let's look ahead, Matt. Let's think because we're on a four game win streak right now. There are six more games. We're forty three and thirty two, Matt crazy to think come you know just a few weeks ago that we would have gotten this far but getting ahead of myself let's look ahead let's talk about these we have a chance at 50 wins remember at the beginning of the year when i said that i thought we had a chance at 50 wins and you were like calming me down bringing me back down to earth a little bit but we we settled on 47 48 man that's exactly where i think they're gonna end up and when you look at these games right the magic tomorrow hopefully a sleeper game the sleeper game. Oh my gosh, sleeper game. Isn't that the story of our lives? But then on Sunday, we got the Heat. Yeah, that's going to be a tough one. Hopefully, we can get that. Atlanta yeah. on Tuesday. And, and then we're then, back in Philadelphia on Thursday. Yeah, and then Rockets next to close out the season. Like, it's not, it's not, it's not against to say that we could get all the way to 50 wins, but some tough games ahead. I just think about the fact that we've lost four games to the Pistons. Well, the Pistons swept us, even if we go 500 against them. And then we lost two extra games to uh, Orlando. If we take those just four wins right there, man, we are 48 and 28 
and are the top of the Eastern Conference. If we had just taken care of business against the bad teams that we should be taking care of business against, that's what excites me about this team, and that's why I think that we have a chance in the playoffs because when you look at our team against the top 10 teams in the NBA, that's when we thrive. That's when we play our best basketball. That's when our defense locks in. That's when our offense and our half court works. I'm, man, just can the playoffs start already, man? I'm itching for them. I'm itching for them. Nah, man, we gotta we gotta wait just a little bit longer so that we can secure ourselves the sixth seed. All right, we just gotta next week we can talk. I about like the, the five seed. <laughs> as long as Boston's not in the fourth seed, I'll take any seed. That's, that's higher up for sure. But it it's gonna be an exciting few weeks, man. It's gonna be an even more exciting playoffs. This playoffs, all right, is setting itself up to be possibly amazing especially if we don't have to think about lebron if the lakers do fall out the west becomes this crazy exciting place where i mean i I still expect certain things to happen but it'll be very exciting some of the matchups that'll that'll play out dude we said it last week i think it's going to be phoenix i think it's going to be milwaukee but again you you have some sleeper teams in there dallas should make some noise memphis should make some noise golden state should make some noise if they can get steph curry back and then you got Brooklyn, like Boston, you got Philly, you got us. Ah, man. And that's not even, ah, oh, it's just such a good year, man. It's wide open and I love it. It's beautiful. Basketball is really back into full swing. We survived our COVID years. We survived the bubble. We're making things happen again, Matt, but you ready for some predictions? Let's talk about it. Let's get into it. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to do something that we've already talked about all episode, man. I don't think Embiid's winning MVP. Giannis has proven it just last night that he doesn't deserve it anymore. Absolutely, man. I think I think that really kind of put a dent in his armor. I, I don't know if it put a dent for the NBA Writers Association, the guys that get the vote, because they think they take holistic seasons into account. But again, if you watch that game, how can you give it to a guy who's, who's getting dominated by the other MVP candidate? <laughs> Absolutely. But, I'm going to say the Bucks, man, they move into that one seed, and Dallas is going to hold on and keep that third spot in the West. I think that's how the seeding is going to end up, and uh, hopefully it happens, man. Hopefully I don't throw the curse on either team. I mean, as, as, I don't, as long as Dallas doesn't have to face the Clippers in the first round, I think they're going to be okay this year. <laughs> hey, man, likelihood of that happening, probably slim to none. Very, very low, very low. But, hey, anything is possible. All right, my friend, anything else, or shall we close out? No, man, I think we're good to close out. Perfect. Well, thanks, everybody, for being here. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Board Sports. Like, subscribe, give us a thumbs up. Check out TheBoardSports.net for new episodes and blog posts. And we'll talk to you next time.